Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, 30 for 30. October is Pastor's Appreciation Month, and we're taking the month to honor God for what He's done in the 30 years of Praise Chapel Paramount's history. We're so thankful for the history of our fellowship, but we're looking forward to the next 30 years. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. I do appreciate our pastor, Pastor Omar. How many appreciate our pastor this morning? This is so awesome. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm honored to be invited back home. And I was like, I was wondering, I'm like, man, when, did, when am I going to get the invite? <laughs> What's happening here? What happened? Got kicked out, that's it. No, uh, I got sent out. I got sent out. Amen. And so... Uh, I didn't know when it was going to happen. I felt like everyone else was getting the invite but me. And then I thought, well, he's inviting all the older guys first, right? All the, I've seen, I saw Pastor Eddie come through and then Pastor Mondo's preached here. I said, oh, you know what? He, he's going through the older ones. I mean, the, the, the better ones first, the better ones first. And I, I know they're going to watch this later. So, <laughs> But I'm extremely honored to be here with you guys this morning, here with family, with new family. Uh, there's some people in here that I've never seen before in my life. And, uh, and I love that because uh, you're a new family to us. I am a son of the house. I've been here uh, for, uh, since I, I got saved at 16. And uh, come on, man. It's, I just, I've been having a good time. And I got saved at 16 and met my wife. Uh, be, I met my wife, and, and that's why I, I got saved first. Amen. And I was chasing her, and then I was chasing God. And then, and then she came in the picture afterwards, after I was chasing the Lord. And uh, and so I, I, I labored here. We labored here together. We served here together. Uh, it's never, ever in our mind had been a burden but a blessing, amen, to, uh, to labor here and to work uh, for the kingdom of the Lord. And, uh, and especially under such a powerful, uh, powerful man of God, uh, Pastor Omar, I just personally want to say that I'm honored to be here. You know, Pastor Omar, he's, he's like a, a spiritual father to me. And uh, I want to say thank you for the opportunity, but personally, thank you for being, uh, you know, honestly, for just for your obedience to the Lord. There's so many things that Pastor Omar has shared with me and, and may, with many of you of, of, of um, moments in his life that were uncertain. But his faithfulness and his, his obedience to the Lord has, uh, and we see it now, 30 years later, right, we see it now. And uh, you are a product of uh, someone's obedience, but also for your faithfulness, being in the ministry for 30 years now, 30 years that is a long time serving the Lord and really dealing with people. Amen. You, you think he's just up here preaching, but he's dealing with you guys. <laughs> so, so you guys need to love him and honor him a little bit more. Amen. But for your courage, when I go through stuff and I, I think of tough moments in your life that you've shared with me and it helps me get through uh, certain situations, and I think about, man, my, what I'm going through has nothing, is nothing compared to what you went through, and, and, and you're still serving God. Uh, but also your, your boldness, your exampleship, your awesome leadership, uh, you still pursue God with everything you got. And I appreciate you for your faithfulness to the Lord uh, and to the ministry. Um, you're such a great example of what a husband, a father a man of God uh, ought to be, and uh, I thank you for that exampleship for me. Amen. So let's give let's give our pastor a nice round of applause there. I know today is a little special, and it has nothing to do with me being here. <laughs> I thought it was when Pastor Isaac was like, "Today's special day." I was like, "Oh, here it is." <laughs> but it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> there is a baptism after uh, this service. Come on, there's a baptism. Happening after the service, I know, I know a number of us, we've, we've signed up for this baptism. And so right now what we want to do is we want to dismiss you. If you did sign up for the baptism and you need to go uh, get ready or be part of, uh, of a class or whatever it needs to take place now, you are dismissed. You are free to stand up and go. Uh, I believe there's, a, there's an area where they have to uh, meet up. It's right here in the, in the lobby area. You'll be directed where to go, but you are dismissed now uh, to go and get ready as, uh, as we prepare to have a baptism after service. Can we put our hands together one more time for all the people getting baptized? Man, it's all awesome. Listen, I, I, I know you're not getting baptized, but you can get excited for somebody else. Amen. All right. So we're, we're excited that people are getting baptized, that they want to pursue everything that God has for them. And I'm excited to be here. Uh, we, we, we were in the message this morning on taming the tongue. Amen. And anybody here for the second time, two-timer, raise your hand if you're a two-timer, meaning you've been at both services, not the other kind of two-timer, but you're you're here. Amen. 
All right, just a handful. Okay, so this would be kind of new to a lot of us here this morning. Uh, but I, I'm so glad to be here. And I was on a, on social media, and I saw Pastor Omar. He posted he posted something very quickly. I I, I brushed through it, but it stuck with me. And uh, I was looking into it, and that's kind of how this message got developed and got started. And so I've been uh, I got launched into San Pedro. Me and my wife we we got launched into San Pedro four years ago, and we're having a great time. We're having an awesome time. God is moving, and there's a lot of things happening uh, in people's lives. And I just I'm just honored. I'm blessed to be able to be a vessel that God moves in and through. And, and so we're just having a great time. But even though I'm, I've been gone for a number of years, uh, I'm, I still receive and I still listen uh, from my pastor. Amen. And so if you're here and you haven't, uh, you haven't given him that privilege to uh, speak into your life, do so now because it will bless you. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm four years out already. Uh, on the other side, like Pastor Omar said, I'm at the corner. Like you literally take whichever freeway you want and uh, you'll probably end up there. Uh, just go south and, and you'll hit San Pedro there. And, and once you hit the beach, you went a little too far. Just kind of back up a little bit. But we're there. We're having a good time. Uh, but even though we're gone, I'm still listening to Pastor Omar. I'm still receiving. So I, I saw something that he posted on social media. He posted this quote. He said, today is a good day to have a good day. And it stuck with me because uh, how many know that's true? Today is a good day to have a good day. And who, who wakes up and says, oh, today is a good day to have a horrible day? Like no one really wants that, right? We want to have good days. And so today, this morning, I want to bring something to us that will help our relationships, our friendships, our marriages. Uh, how many need help in those departments there? Come on, right? Raise your hand. And, and something that I'm going to help some people out today, this morning. If you came ready to receive, then I'm going to help you out because I believe that, that God is going to speak to us this morning and he's going to tug at our hearts. But have you ever had a good day before? Raise your hand. Come on. Have you ever had a good day? Come on, people in the back, the ones that still sleep a little bit. Come on, it's already like past 11. Amen. All right. We've, we've all had a good day before, but have you ever had like one of those really, really good days? Like for me, it's when I get a haircut. Man, where you at? Come on, right? That, that I have hair in here. Uh, we get a haircut, and, uh, and we feel great. We feel fresh. You feel confident. You're, you're, you just, you just, you're more excited when you get a nice haircut because then every T-shirt you put on, you're like, oh, man, that looks good. Right? You're like, man, all of a sudden you look better, you smell better, you just feel better. You're more confident in the day. Ladies, when you get uh, uh, your makeup done right, right, or done, I don't know. Not that you don't do it right, but you know what I mean. Uh, but then you get that, you get a nice outfit and you just feel confident, your heels are on point, and then you're just feeling good. You're feeling confident. Things that got you down normally, that normally would have gotten you down, they don't get you down anymore. Traffic doesn't seem like an inconvenience. It's not longer, no longer frustrating to be in traffic. How many know what I'm talking about? Those good days. Those days nothing could get you down. No one can say the wrong thing. You're just smiling at everybody. It just feels good. It's exciting. Uh, and, and, and so today we're talking about how to have a good day. When those things that come into our lives are no longer frustrating, we begin to tell things, uh, that famous line that my wife likes to say. She tells me from time to time, but she says, not today, devil. Amen. She says, not today, devil. Turn to somebody and say, not today. Not today. Not today. Not today. Don't turn to your spouse and call him a devil. Say, not today. Just say, not today. Not today. And I, I read this as uh, one of the most common things that comes out of someone's mouth is have a good day. How many know that's the truth? Have a good day. When we go to a restaurant, we eat. Um, and, and we're getting our change after we pay for the meal. And, and the waiter, the waitress, the host, they say, have a nice day or have a, have a good day. You know, uh, leaving out of your house, you might hear that. Have a good day. Your spouse, your kids, somebody might say it. Uh, someone at the supermarket, they'll tell you, have a good day as you're walking out. We hear this all the time. And as a matter of fact, we hear this so much that we have this automatic polite response uh, to that statement. We respond with uh, when we say, you too, or you as well. And while we hope that everyone would have a good day every single day, the sad reality is that not everyone experiences these good days in life. Amen. That is a sad reality. Is not everyone has good days. In fact, some people experience some nasty days and some bad days, days that when, when they go from bad to worse. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. We've experienced days where they go from bad to worse. Someone said this, I had a bad day once. They said, man, if, if today were a fish, I'd throw it back. All of us have had days like this where you get in an argument with your spouse and it throws your whole day off. How many know what I'm talking about? 
You get in an argument with your kids or your kids start acting up before you have to go to work, before church, and it, it throws you off. Bills are due way before you get paid or you get sick or you get hurt at work. We've all been here. Some days they just really, truly suck the life out of you. And you just don't feel like finishing that day. You feel like going back home and crawling into your bed and calling it a, a whole day, a night. <laughs> you say, tomorrow's a better day. Tomorrow I'm going to start fresh. Tomorrow I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take the day tomorrow. And, 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 and so we, we allow things to get us down. But the first thing we have to realize this morning, before we go any further into this message, is the fact that God wants you to have good days. Did you know that? God wants you to have good days. He doesn't want you to live a miserable life. That's not why you came. He wants you to have good days as well. He wants you to enjoy life. As a, as a matter of fact, he came so we can have life, but have it to the fullest. Have it more abundantly, it says in the word of God. But competing with God, competing with him, is the fact that there is an enemy out there to distract you and to destroy you. And he's actually working overtime to do so. He's working overtime to do so. He'll purposely throw things your way to try to distract you and to try to throw you off course and to knock you down and to keep you from lifting your hands and worshiping and praising our King Jesus. Or even try to get you to say the wrong things, the things that won't uplift people and encourage people but bring death and discouragement this morning. There have been countless times, church, that we have allowed this to happen. The enemy will throw something at us. And we let it, we allow it to sink in. And it begins to distract us. It begins to destroy us inside. It begins to suck the life out of us. And we walk in here in this place and we won't even lift our hands. Let alone sing praises. We won't want to fellowship or talk to anyone because we're thrown off. Our hearts are distracted. They're divided. They're preoccupied with other things that the enemy threw at us that we allowed in. And we begin to stress over things. We begin to worry about these things. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and enjoy life and have it in an abundance. That means, that means to the fullest. Jesus was contrasting what he offers with what the devil offers this morning. The thief mentioned here speaks of the enemy for our soul. And we have to be aware of this, that there is someone and something out there that is trying to distract us, even right now as I'm speaking, trying to distract us. And so he's coming to only steal, kill, and destroy all the good things that God is doing in our lives. He doesn't want us to have this abundant life. He doesn't want us to enjoy life and have these good days. The enemy comes and tries to bring division in our homes and in our churches and especially in our hearts this morning. Proverbs 4.23, it says this, guard your heart above all else. Everyone say above all else. It says guard your heart. Why your heart? Above everything else you do, everything else. Why your heart? Because it determines the course of your life. You see, the heart is a seat or it's the source that affects your speech and your conduct this morning. And so if he can get, if the enemy can get you to, to contaminate your heart, the source, everything that comes out of you is going to be contaminated. The devil's greatest desire is to prevent you from giving God all your heart. And so he'll constantly dangle things in front of you, uh, anything to distract you. And so that way we can, we can rise this false God that we didn't even know was, was coming up. I know people that their false God is their bodies. They spend countless hours in the gym, and they still look the same. But they spend countless hours in the gym. Trying to better uh, their physique and the way they look. They, they're focused more on working on the outside than allowing the Holy Spirit to work on the inside. So there's several things that try to distract us from our focus. And the enemy will throw things, anything to knock you off course, to render you ineffective for the kingdom of God. The thief takes life and the shepherd gives it. So we see that with Jesus and only with Jesus, church. Life here on earth can reach a much higher quality than without him. And then in heaven, it'll be complete and perfect. And that's the life that God wants us to live, a much higher quality of life this morning. Much higher quality. There's a story of this famous, paint, this famous uh, uh, painter, Michelangelo. He's a, he's a uh, I guess, I, I don't know, he's a sculptor or painter, one of those things. But uh, there was this, 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 this younger one coming up. He wanted uh, to get his opinion on the sculpture that he made. 
And so he asked Michelangelo to come in and inspect his, his art. And so this master artist carefully looked at this sculpture from every single angle. He's examining this sculpture from every, every single angle. And finally he says, well, it lacks only one thing. And then he storms off <laughs> and he leaves. So this young artist, he's, he's, he's wondering what that one thing is. He's too embarrassed to go ask Michelangelo himself, so he sends an assistant to go find out what that one thing is. And the assistant asks Michelangelo, what is it that this sculpture is lacking? And Michelangelo responds with, it only lacks one thing. It lacks only life. You see, this can be said by, of a lot of people today. A lot of people today. Not in here, but a lot of people today. Where everything can look great on the outside in life. Everything can look grand. It can look great. You can have all the right things. You can have the house. You can have the car. You can have the husband, the wife, the kids, the, the, the pets, the career, the money in the bank. But there is still something lacking. And there is still life that is lacking. You see, for many decades, medical science, they've been trying and they've failed to try to add uh, years to our lives. They've been trying to extend our life. They've been trying to add years to our life, but only Jesus can add life, church, to our years this morning. And so after the first thing, we, ha we have to understand that God wants us to have good days. And we can have a good day every day. And it starts with us knowing that it's only possible with God in our lives, first and foremost. Because only he can give true life to the fullest. But once I've understood this, and once I've made the decision, like most of us and many of us here in this place, once I've understood this, that only with God can I have good days and have a, a good life and have a higher quality and more abundant life, and it's only found in God. Once I've made the, the decision to allow God in my life and to really truly live for him, once I've made this conscious decision, there are still things that I have to do. Daily things, church. That I have to do in order to have good days, which will result in having a good life. And so before we get any further, I want to pray. How many came ready to receive from the Lord? Come on. Come on. Pray with me then. Let's, let's begin to ask the Holy Spirit to, to speak into our lives, to tug at our hearts, whatever it is that he has for us this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, God. Lord, we exalt you. We place you above everything in our lives, God. That is where you belong, Jesus. You are our priority, Father. We are here to hear from you, God. Lord, I pray right now that you would help us, God, the message that you have for us this morning, God, that we would receive it, we would begin to apply it immediately, God, because we know that, that the fullness of life is only found in you and through you, Jesus. I pray right now, God, that we would receive what you have for us, Father. We thank you, Lord, for, for what you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You see, I know some people that consider living a good life uh, uh, having a day where it's a bunch of palm trees and sandy beaches and, and, and sprinkled with a little bit of a nice breeze. And I, I know I said this in the first service, it sounds like San Pedro, because it does. It's always cool over there. So some people, living a good life means having the family together and enjoying great meals together. To some people, uh, having a good life is the idea of all, having all your bills paid and still having some money left over to spend. How many know those are great moments? In life, and we want to have more moments like that <laughs> where all the bills are paid already. Amen. But those are great moments. We're talking about having a good life this morning. Living a good life means different things to different people. And I want to tell you the decisions that you make today, the decisions you make here and now to have a good day or to not have a good day will ultimately affect the degree of life that you live. This morning, I want to talk about God's formula for living a good life and how we can do things every single day to live or to have good days. I found this quote. It's so awesome. It says, good morning. This is God. He said, good morning. This is God. I'll be handling your schedule today. If I need your help, I'll let you know. Otherwise, have a good day. I really, truly want us, my, my goal today is to really encourage you to know that today, listen, is a good day to have a good day. Today is really a good day to have a good day. And so how do we have a good day? How do we, what can we do to have the power to have a good day? Let me take you to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. Let me take you here for a moment. It says, for whoever will love life and see good days, you see that? Whoever will love life and see good days, here it is, must keep their tongues from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. You see that? That's why you're having such a bad day. <laughs> 
It begins to tell us why we're having such a bad, why we mess up so much. It says, if you, want, if you want to love life and have good days, listen, keep your tongues from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. It's no wonder we have, we're having bad days. <laughs> when the scripture here talks about life, it's not referring to the life of living for yourself. Like the one that Jesus tells us to give up in order to follow him. But it's, it's, referring, to the, the, it's referring to life the way that God intended us to live. That abundant life, that fuller life, that life to the fullest this morning. And Peter gave us some straightforward advice on how, this, how to experience this rich, joyfulness of life. He begins to tell us that God's blessings fall on those that keep their tongues from deceitful speech, from evil speech. On those that, that, that keep themselves, that refrain from evil deeds, and those that seek peace. And he's actually referencing the scripture. He's referencing the psalmist here in Psalm chapter th- uh, 34. It says, it says this in verse 12 and 14. It says, does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Speak, uh, search for peace and work to maintain it. A lot of us don't like that scripture because of that word work. <laughs> Something we don't like to do. So we see according to scripture that those who do these things will find life to be more gratifying. They'll find life and good days in their lives. These are some some critical, these are some crucial character qualities that us as disciples should be searching for and should be implementing in our lives. Verse 10 says, whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongues from, from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. In other words, if you want to see good days in your life, raise your hand if you want to see good days, then we have to learn how to control our tongue. Come on, give somebody a high five. Tell somebody, tell, tell that person you gave a high five to, tell them you're blessed. Because I'm sitting next to you. Tell them like that. Amen. Amen. So if we want to have good days this morning, then we have to learn how to control our tongue. We have to learn how to control our tongue. The thing that gets us in trouble the most, more than any other body part, is our tongue. Is that little pink thing in there. It's just, for some of us, it's white because we didn't brush it this morning. But it's a little pink thing in there. You can tell who didn't because they're not saying anything. But raise your hand if your mouth ever got you in trouble. Come on, raise your hand. Be honest. Be honest. Come on, there's more of us. Amen. Yeah, someone put two hands up. That's right. I'll put a foot up too. Amen. Everybody in here, everybody in here, but the tongue, listen, it's such a nasty little thing, such a small member of the body, but it can bring some nasty, massive destruction in our lives and in the lives of other people. We say things, listen to me, listen, we say things that we really have no business talking about. We say things that we have no business saying and coming out of our mouths. There's an old saying that I used to, I love when Pastor Omar says it. He says, sticks and stones. You guys, you guys know that saying, yeah? Sticks and stones and then words will never hurt me. How many know that's a lie from the pit of hell? Yeah, that's not, it's not true. Amen. Because words do hurt. How many know that words hurt? I read that there's only a single letter difference. There's only a single letter difference between words and swords. How many know that words can be like swords? They can cut and they can injure and they can slice. In your mouth, you have a weapon of mass destruction. And the enemy knows this. This is why it's such a battle. This is why it's an ongoing battle every single day for you and I because the enemy is aware of this. He knows that kind of weapon that you have in your mouth. He knows that little pink thing in there. It can cause some massive destruction in your life and in the lives around you. And so he knows how much damage you can do if if your tongue is not under control. So he would rather have you and me vomiting this poison, vomiting this, this evil from our mouths. He would, he would rather have us give a few critical words to people. He, he would rather have us complaining a little bit. Oh, the lights are too bright in there. I don't know. It looks like a club. <laughs> He'd rather have us pointing out faults in people instead of encouraging them. He'd rather have us complaining 
a little bit of cussing mixed in with a few little gossip side uh, on the side. And what we've done, we've given them permission to make us people who tear others apart and sometimes sound no different, sometimes even worse than unbelievers. And so this little thing, this small thing can cause the craziest drama, the craziest family and friendship and relationship drama. How many know what I'm talking about? Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, meaning we can speak God's perspective on situations. We can speak life into situations or we can be negative and speak doubt and speak destruction in our situations and in people. A person's life greatly reflects, a person's life greatly reflects what comes out of their mouth. It reflects their words and their tongue. See, we, we have these words that, that, that hold great weight and have great power. And because they do, Scripture tells us that if we want to see good days, we have to learn how to control our tongue. I, I love this quote I, I, I read. It said, you know, I thought about it as, as I'm walking with the Lord, as we're walking with the Lord individually. It said, Lord, put your arm over my shoulder, but put your hand over my mouth. How I many you know that's the truth, Right? How I many that should be our prayer to this morning? Lord, help. Lord, put, put two, two hands over my mouth. That should be our prayer. Because if we're to experience God's highest and God's best for our lives, then it's absolutely necessary that we control our tongue. Amen. Proverbs 21, verse 23, it says, Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. They keep themselves from disaster, from evil. If you want to know how to have good days, it starts with controlling your tongue this morning. He says, keep your tongues from evil, deceitful speech. Guard your speech. Guard how you talk to people. Guard, guard the power that is coming out of your mouth from deceitful speech, from evil speech, from bitterness, from gossip, from this venom that the enemy wants us to spew out. But as simple as it is for me to talk about it, how many know the reality is it's not that easiest thing to accomplish? Right? It's not the easiest thing to accomplish. Someone said this, usually the first screw that gets loose in a person's head is the one that controls the tongue. That is the truth. Amen. In fact, James chapter 3 tells us how hard it is to tame the tongue. Let me take you here. Go to James chapter 3 if you have your word. It tells us how difficult it is to tame the tongue. In fact, James says that if we can control our tongues, we would be perfect. We'd be perfect people and, and could also control ourselves in every other way. In fact, one of the greatest forms of discipline is the discipline of your words. Did you know that? You can be financially disciplined with a, with, with a budget. And some of us were great at that. You can be physically disciplined with a diet, and those are all great. But the greatest form of discipline is the discipline of your tongue, of your words. He says, hey, if you're out there and you have no problem controlling your tongue, then you must be a perfect person. I want to tell you, this is a fight. This is an ongoing battle every single day that you and I are engaged in to control our tongue. Because if we don't, we can start with our tongue. We can start some drama. Amen. Where are my drama starters? No, no, don't raise your hand. I was just kidding. I was just kidding. Completely kidding. Don't raise your hand. And don't look at people either. Uh, but we can start some fires this morning, right? We can start some heartache. We can, we, can, we can dish out some pain in people with our tongue. And so we're engaged in this, in this battle. And the reason why so many people struggle, so many of us, we struggle with our tongues, is because there's so many ways our tongues can get us in trouble. We have gossip, we have slander, we have outbursts of anger. We, we, you, you have boasting and lying and cursing and, and, and you have being critical of people and you have verbal abuse, you even have dirty jokes at work and, and you have complaining. You have betraying people's confidence. And, and, and then James in chapter 3, verses 3 through 11, he gives us some powerful illustrations that help, us, that, that help uh, paint a picture for us. He demonstrates the power that our tongues have. In verse 3 of James chapter 3, it says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. His point is very clear, church. His point is very clear to us this morning. He says that we can steer and move things uh, just by, simple, by a simple thing like our tongue. He says it's so small yet could cause so much damage in our lives. We can literally sway people's moods by the way or the words that we speak. We can sway. We can say one thing and it'll sway someone's mood this way. We can say the wrong thing and it'll, you know what happens. We have the power to sway people's moods just because of the words we choose. We can keep people. Listen, some of us, we've become experts. We can keep people in a relationship emotionally. 
Because we know the right thing to say to them to keep them around. We can even seduce someone into sin because of the power of the words that come out of our mouth. We can persuade people to pursue their dreams and we can crush people's dreams just by the simple words that come out of our mouth. And then James uses another illustration of fire in verse 5. He says this, he says, in the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Our tongue can create massive destruction if we don't use it properly this morning. Verse 6 says, and among all the other parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Unfortunately, California, we know too, too well about fires. We see them all the time. And we know what one little spark can do. And we get a, 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 a physical example of what that is and how much it can affect everyone else around it. I read this, this thing a while back about a fire in Northern California where it burned about 14,000 or 1,400 acres. And it took about, I'm sorry, it, it burned over 14,000 acres and it took 1,300 firefighters to put it out. So it doesn't matter what it's telling us, it doesn't matter how you look on the outside. If your tongue is evil, it makes your whole evil. Verse 7 says, people can tame all kinds of animals, beasts, reptiles, fish. But no one can tame the tongue. It is, a, it is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. People can master wild beasts of all kinds, it says. But, but can't master the tongue. The tongue is this uncontrollably dangerous thing. Set. It can set a whole person's life on fire. It can encourage someone to pursue God. But at the same time, it can pursue someone not to chase after God. It can destroy relationships. It has destroyed relationships. Some of us were affected today because of the words that were used in a relationship. Maybe we used them or they were used against us. It can destroy reputations this morning. It can destroy families. Hello. It can destroy futures this morning. James says that people can tame the wildest animals on earth, and yet no man can figure out how to tame the tongue. But I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit can help. And then we look at verse 9 and 10. And if you haven't got anything out of it, this is so, con this, this should be the most convicting one that we read today. Because in verse 9 and 10, you and I, listen to me, look at me. You and I have been here. You, if we haven't been in any other verses, you and I, we've been here plenty of times. Listen, sometimes it, the tongue, it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. He says, brothers and sisters, this is not right. It shouldn't be a situation where out of the same mouth, one minute we can be praising God, exalting our king, worshiping God, and then later that day or even that week we're using our mouths to cuss people out and to demoralize our kids as we drive home, telling them how, how dumb they are, they're, 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 they're idiots, or we can be criticizing or gossiping about people, discouraging people, and James says this should not be so. But in the word of God, we do see some examples that we can draw from this morning of when people use their words to encourage someone and change the course of somebody's life. We see that Jesus, man, Peter, he had messed up. He was, he was probably made the biggest mistake of his life. And Jesus uses his words to, to encourage him. He uses his words to encourage him. David was about to make the mistake of a lifetime as well. And this, this young lady, Abigail, steps in, gives him some, some wise and timely counsel. It, it, we see Mordecai encouraging Esther in the word of God to fulfill the calling that God had on her life. And in, in Song of Solomon, we hear of a, of a husband, of a, of a man, using his words this morning, church. Listen to me. Using his words to, to really affirm his wife's beauty. And then we see Barnabas, he uses his words, his tongue, to help uh, uh, see, get the other disciples to accept Paul. Paul at the time, no one wanted to talk to him. He was out there killing Christians. Nobody wanted to talk to him. Nobody wanted to associate with him. Here comes Barnabas encouraging the Jewish people not to judge him, but to accept him as an equal follower of Jesus Christ. You see, God wants us to be holy mouthpieces for him. 
That's what he wants you and I to be. He wants us to be holy mouthpieces for him. He wants us to be people who will heal and help with our words. God wants us to be an instrument of righteousness in our lives. He wants you to live life to the fullest, and he wants you to have good days. Verse 10 in our scripture this morning says, Whoever will love life and see good days must keep their tongues from evil and their lips from a deceitful speech. If you want your life to be full and see good days, scripture tells us we have to learn how to guard our tongue. Learn how to guard your tongue. Keep your, keep your lips from deceit and dishonesty. Be a person that is known to speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.29. I know a lot of us know this scripture because we don't like it. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that I may benefit those who listen. See, I believe one of the most important questions that you and I ought to ask ourselves and probably answer is, are my words that come out, are they building people up? Are they encouraging people this morning? Or am I knocking people down just to exalt myself? But we have to be a verbally thankful person who only speaks to lift other people up. If you want to have a good day, raise your hand if you want to have a good day again. Come on. If you want to have a good day, you have to learn how to control your tongue. Because I guarantee you this, if you say the wrong thing, you'll have a bad day. So if you want to have a good day, learn how to control your tongue this morning. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to help us control our tongues this morning. Amen. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a person that is known to vomit death out of my mouth. Come on, right? I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that guy. Come on. I don't want to be that guy that vomits nothing but death that people see and they're like, oh, my God, don't talk to that guy. This is mama's death. But I, wanna, I want my mouth to be a holy mouthpiece for God. I want my lips to be a fountain of life. And, and I, I want to encourage people. I want to speak life and encouraging uh, words to people. I want to I live life the way that God intended uh, uh, for us to live. I want to see good days in my life. I want to experience that rich joy, that rich fullness of life. And I know the key to doing this is to, is to first guard my tongue this morning. So we're talking about guarding your tongue. We're talking about having a good day. And I get it. I hear you. You have to guard your tongue. But how do I do this? How, what, what are some things that I can do? I don't want to leave you here without giving you some practical things that we can do now. I told you in the very beginning that I'm here to help some people out. Help you out in your marriage. How many need help in your marriage? Come on, raise your hand. If you're married, you should be raising your hand because you don't have a perfect marriage. But we, I'm here to help out some people in friendships, in relationships. I'm here to help you have a good day. So how do I do this? Let me give you some practical things. Amen? Is this speaking to anybody this morning? Just real quick. I, just, I always have to check. I always have to check every time because I, I know, listen, I know you've had some awesome preachers. You have one of the best preachers ever preaching to you almost every Sunday. And so I always have to check because I always get mixed emotions and mixed, mixed eyeballs, I guess, when I'm preaching, right? Like I'm looking at people and people's eyeballs are like competing. They're like crashing into each other. They're like dozing off. And so I have to check if this is ministering to you or not. That's, that's, I, and, and if you raise your hand, you clap. I appreciate it. And let God speak to you. You're not here to listen to me. You're here to receive from God. Amen. So I hope all of us this morning, I hope all of us can accept the challenge of, of learning to speak life. We don't want to walk around and be this church of people that speak death and negative things on people. But we want to encourage people. I think that we need to get overseeing the negative in people and speaking life into people this morning. Amen. And so if we want to do this, let me give you a few practical things that you can do today. You can do it immediately. You can do it in your seat right now to start on having a good day. The first thing is this. Learn the value of being quiet. Learn the value of being quiet. In other words, learn the value of silence. I, I know sometimes we want to lash out on somebody that, that did something or said something that, didn't, that we didn't agree with, that we didn't like, and we get offended. I mean, the claws come out, and some of you, I see it. The hood comes out a little bit. I know it. I know it does. And I'm telling you, you have to learn the value of being quiet because not everything that comes into your mind, church, has to come out of your mouth. Hello. <laughs> Not everything that comes in has to come out. Sometimes it's better not to say anything at all because you know our thoughts. They just, they're, sometimes they're not inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
So they shouldn't be coming out. What we ought to do is learn the value of being quiet, not say anything, because sometimes not saying anything at all is better than opening your mouth and spitting venom out. And so what we ought to do is this. We ought to pray and say, Lord, help me to get over these emotions. Lord, these words that I want to just spit out at this very second, this very moment, Lord, help me to eat these words up because they are not going to come out. Help me to do away with these words. Help me to stay calm. Calm my heart, Lord. Proverbs 17, 27, it says, Those who have, who, uh, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. There are times when we ought to speak up, but I want to tell you this. There are more times, there are a lot more times where we shouldn't say a thing. Amen. There are more times where we shouldn't say a thing this morning. The Bible says that in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. That means that the more we talk and talk and talk and start fires after fire after fire, we're bound to say something dumb. We're bound to say something that we're going to regret. So let's check our thoughts this morning. Let's make them obedient to the Lord and understand that not everything that comes into my mind has to come out of my mouth. Learn the value of being quiet this morning. Amen. How many would say this? I need to learn that not everything that comes into my thoughts should come out of my mouth. Come on, raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Amen. Praise the Lord. The second thing is be aware of your tone. You want to live a good life? You want to have good days? Learn the value of being quiet and understand. Be aware of your tone that you use with your words. Because it's not so much what you say, but how you say it. But it's how you say it. Proverbs 15, verse 1, it says, A gentle answer, church, turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It's not so much what you say, but how you say it. When we respond to people with an aggressive, abrasive tone or even a sarcastic tone this morning, it just stirs up anger in someone else and puts them on the defense. Colossians 4, 6, it says, Let every or let your conversations be full of grace. Everyone say grace. Seasoned with salt so that so that you may know how to answer everyone. That means that we ought to speak what is spiritual, what is wholesome, what is kind, what is purposeful, what is, what is gentle, what is truthful, what is loving, what is thoughtful. Our words should be, should, should be used to help prevent corruption, not impart corruption in people. When you talk to your kids, I understand that there are moments when we get frustrated with them. They do something. They don't listen. They talk back. I understand in fact, there's moments where we want to give them back to Jesus. <laughs> we say, God, thank you for the blessing, but it's coming right back with a stamp on it. <laughs> but the tone you use with them makes all the difference. When you're arguing, arguing with your spouse, you're discussing things with your spouse, it's important that we're aware of the tone that we use, that we don't cause anger to rise. When you talk about or talk to the leadership of the church, especially your pastors, be careful of the tone that you use and how you address them. It's important that we watch our tone and we remain calm this morning. And we have to understand that your example will become, it will become contagious. People are watching and they'll model what they see. How many would say, I'm going to be aware of the tone I use when I speak and I'm going to make the necessary changes this morning? Come on, raise your hand. So the first thing we have to do, if we want to have good dates, like Scripture tells us, right, we have to guard our tongue. We have to, we have to value. We have to learn to value being quiet. Sometimes it's not a good idea to spit out what comes in here. So we have to understand that not everything that comes into my mind has to come out of my mouth. Amen. We can take those thoughts captive, make them obedient to the Lord, not get them out. Amen. And the second thing we have to do is be aware of your tone this morning. It's not so much what you say, it's how you say, how you're saying it to them. And the third one is this, is choose your words, Proverbs 15, 28. It says, the heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. This means that we have to consider, we have to ponder, we have to meditate on these words before we spit them out. Because they have power. And once we spit them out, we can't get them back. So the wise are cautious and discerning. They're careful. They're ca they carefully contemplate their words before they speak. I wonder what our world would look like this morning, church. If we just choose our words before we say them now. If we just take time to respond and choose our words before we spit them out. 
I wonder what our world would look like if we just stopped saying everything that we feel. I wonder what our world would look like if we just stopped gossiping and intentionally trying to hurt people with our words, putting that fire out after fire after fire. But instead, we say, I'm going to use my words to speak life. I wonder what our world would look like if we all just collectively uh, wanted to build each other up and encourage each other to pursue more of God in our lives. I wonder what a world would look like if just you and I say, I'll speak blessings and not destruction. In other words, I wonder what our world would look like if we put our brain in gear before our mouth in gear. If we don't use our tongues with great caution this morning, we're like spiritual arsonists. We're lighting careless fires that cause destruction. How many, how many would say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more careful of the words that I use? Come on, raise your hand. I'm going to be more careful of the words I use. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning, church? Come on. I'm going to invite the worship team to make their way up. Listen, we talked about having good days. I, I love that quote that Pastor Omar posted one time. He said, today is a good day to have a good day. That is so true, but the decision is up to you. The decision is yours. Will you have a good day or not? Scripture tells us if you love life and you want to have a good day, listen. Guard your tongue. Guard your tongue. Keep it from evil speech, deceit, but encourage. Let your tongue be a, a mouthpiece for the Lord. And so today, I believe that we need to pray for the ability to control our tongues, especially in the challenging moments. It's easy to control our tongues when everything's great, while the bills are paid. No one's mouthing off to us. Amen. It's easy to control our tongue. But what happens in the challenging moments when finances get in the way? What happens in the challenging moments when there's a disagreement? What happens in those challenging moments when your boss lectures you for being late so many times? <laughs> what happens in those challenging moments that we find ourselves in? Whether it's in a frustrating moment with our spouse or kids or relatives or teachers, leaders, pastors. Whether it's in a tempting moment when we might want to gossip and put people down. If you want to truly master your tongue this morning, the Bible tells us that the best place to start is with your heart. If you want to master how to control your tongue, the best place to start with is your heart. Luke 6, verse 45, put it up on the screen for us. It says this, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart, what you say flows from what's in your heart. If we don't want awful things coming out of our mouths this morning, church, then we need God's help to get that awful stuff out of our hearts. Can I get an amen? This morning, we're going to pray. We're highly encouraged to do this, to allow God to be the one to clean up our hearts, but you have to be willing and allowing him to do that. If you truly want to master the tongue, if you truly want to tame the tongue, if you truly say, you know what, I, I, my tongue, my mouth has really gotten me in some mess <laughs> and some trouble. As a matter of fact, in my relationships, I can't move forward. I always say the wrong thing and something always happens and it's always my mouth that gets us in trouble. If you truly want to master the tongue, the best place to start with is the heart. Because it says whatever comes out of you has already been sitting in you. Matthew 15, 11, it reminds us it's not what goes in church, but what comes out of a person's mouth that defiles them. So we won't ever be able to change our mouth until we change our hearts this morning. Because our hearts will always determine what comes out. Can I tell you this? The source, the source of your words is the condition of your heart. How are you speaking? What does your language look like? Some of us this morning... And I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. But some of us this morning, we're walking around hurt. We're, we're walking around hurt this morning. We're walking, some of us, we're walking around angry. We're feeling betrayed, possibly bitter at something or someone that, that has wronged us in the past. And I want to tell you this, your words that you choose, the words that you say are reflecting that. You might not be cussing. 
or using foul language, but your words aren't being used to speak life and to build others up. You might be speaking destruction from a place of hurt and of anger and of bitterness and frustration. Many of us are in here, we're walking in here with unforgiveness in our hearts. And we can't seem to move forward in our relationships because we carry this weight around us that nobody else knows about. And we can't demonstrate that same grace that God has shown us. We can't demonstrate that to others. You need to let God heal your heart this morning. You need to let God heal your heart. See, I believe all of us, we want to have good days in our lives. And the truth is that you can have a good day every single day. No, you can't have things the way you want them to go. You can't avoid pain and heartache in life. But I want to tell you this. Even days that are marked by trouble and disappointment and despair can be good days. Our scripture, verse 10, tells us whoever would love life and see good days, church, must keep their tongues from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. This is such a challenge to us this morning. Because I believe that every single one of us in here has a battle with this. Every single one of us has a battle. You say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't cuss anymore. Well, congratulations. But your words aren't being used to edify and build others up. Pastor, I, I changed my language. Well, I'm glad. You're supposed to. <laughs> but are your words and is your mouth a fountain of life? Are you speaking life? So this morning, I, I pray and I challenge each of us to search our heart, to face up where we are spiritually, to truly examine your heart right now, right where you stand, and say, where am I spiritually? Where am I in life? Really examine yourself right now. And respond Tell the Holy Spirit as he tugs at your heart this morning. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.